missile-wise through space was the size of a hangar that could have accommodated a dozen spy ships. It was one of the latest generation of a machine race whose first members had been built and programmed many thousands of years ago. Ignoring the earthly weapons now pounding against its defensive fields and armor, the unliving enemy kept up its staccato assault on the Salarian ship with beams and missiles, shredding fake mineral and crustaceans, the last remnants of the spy ship's failed disguise, gouging and melting holes right through the solid hull beneath. The possibility of the berserker's own destruction meant nothing to it, as long as it could advance its programmed purpose. The fight raged on between the ravaging berserker and the increasingly helpless human spy ship, the remnant of the live crew, shell-shocked and shaken in their armor, had almost abandoned any attempt at choosing tactics, and were depending heavily in their conduct of the fight upon their own computer hardware. For the last few minutes, the Salarian ship had been itself operating in something approaching berserker mode, gun-laying systems locked on the one, the seemingly indestructible target, weapons firing at full capacity. For the greater part of another minute, a time that seemed almost an eternity to the three who were compelled to live it, the tactical situation did not change. But the disparity in size and power and armament was too great. The ship, which still contained three lives, had not a tenth of the attacker's bulk, and could not nearly match its firepower. On and on the unliving killer came, lurching and staggering in its contested passage, now the damned thing was only nine hundred kilometers distant, now only eight. To the three humans still gasping air aboard the Salarian spy ship, depending on their body armor to keep from being fried, it was an embodiment of death that looked unstoppable. The ship had taken heavy hits, the crew cabin had already been penetrated by fragments from more than one shot, and the three sat in their combat chairs, surrounded by the armored corpses of their shipmates. For tens of light-years in every direction, these three Salarian survivors and their unliving enemy outside, relentlessly trying to dispatch them, were the only agents of intelligent purpose. The trio of live humans on the little ship, two men, one woman, following the burned-in rituals of their training, exchanged terse comments, bits of information, and orders among themselves. But now and again there came on intercom from one of them, the sound of a sharply drawn breath, as if by one suffering an agony of fear. And again, in an interval between necessary communications, one of the two male voices, that of Spacer Second-Class Traskaluk, was abruptly raised in song, one of the Templar battle chants. Traskaluk's shipmates paid the outburst no attention. Knowing him as they did, a singing challenge to the enemy at this moment came as no surprise. And all of them were very busy, struggling with their own private demons. Confined at their battle stations, the three survivors in the cabin were unable to see or touch one another except by means of instruments. Their trio of heads remained muffled in their respective helmets, delicate hardware that melded their minds with their machinery, keeping them also in indirect contact with all of their surroundings. They kept up a fretful babble of communication in which they had long ago abandoned the prescribed military forms. Off and on, Traskaluk continued his ragged song. Somewhere, one of the ship's faithful machines was still recording each utterance of the living crew, 
keeping a record of this struggle that no organic ears or eyes would ever read. All three of those still surviving were junior members of the crew. The spacecraft commander was dead. So was the co-pilot. So were all the senior officers who would otherwise have taken over. Drive's now inoperable. We've been hit again. That was the other man, Spacer First Class Sebastian Gift. Force fields can't hold. A woman's voice this time, that of Ensign Terran. She was, by a small margin, the ranking person still alive. And the whole ship shuddered with yet another impact. There was nothing in the least virtual about the force that shook the displays in all the helmets. Their spy ship had been equipped with a lifeboat for emergency use. But now the ship itself, in its imperturbable voice of superhuman clarity, reported to the three survivors that their lifeboat had been wrecked, hull stove in by the last incoming hit.